Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. M-A-I-N-M-E-N-U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Hello, everyone, and welcome to Main Menu for the 3rd of June, 2016. I am your co-host, Jason Castingway. Remember last week we were talking with Peter Korn and Mark Mulcahy of Amazon? We learned a bit about VoiceView, the screen reader which they are bringing to many of their products, and we hopped right on to the latest product to which VoiceView has been brought, which is the Fire TV and Fire TV Stick. Well, this week we're continuing in our discussion, and we are going to hear a little bit about VoiceView on the Fire tablets, and then VoiceView on the Kindle e-readers, that being released several weeks back. Very exciting to have all these choices in accessible products from Amazon. Next, we hear from Janine Stanley as she interviews Stephen Goldstein of OrCam. They are both at the Spring Technology Fair at the Cleveland Site Center. There is quite a bit of background noise, and so we do apologize for that. There's a lot of activity going on, but hopefully you will be able to hear Janine and Stephen clearly. One of the things that jumps out to me in particular is the facial recognition. Very neat. Last, you're going to hear from yours truly as I do another Macadamia episode. I haven't done one of those in a while. I'm going to talk a little bit about Safari and some settings and ideas that may help improve your web browsing experience. All right, here we go, everyone. Enjoy the show. I'd like to give you a quick overview of the kind of accessibility you can expect uh, VoiceView running on our $49 tablet. This is the Fire 7. I know uh, Jason has talked about that last uh, in April, early April. So I won't I won't cover you know everything here, but just to give you a quick idea of what's here. So when you take the um, any of the Amazon tablets out of out of the box and you power them on, you can enable accessibility by holding down the power button, which will play a sound, and then hold two fingers down on the screen. Keep holding down two fingers to enable voice view. Voice view enabled. Voice view ready. Lock screen. Mark's demo fire. And I'm sitting here at the lock screen. I can unlock the tablet by swiping up with two fingers. Device unlocked. Fire launcher. Home. Fire launcher. Home. Recent. One of ten. And uh, this is the fire home screen. It has 10 tabs essentially across the top with various types of content that I might want to look at. This is the recent items that I was looking at. Home, two of 10. This is my home screen. It has a list of all the apps on the device. I'm doing the standard swipe right to move through the items on the screen. Books, video, games, shop, apps, music, audio books, newsstand, 10 of 10, app store library button. So um, those are the 10 tabs across the top with the various types of content. Um, We've implemented some somewhat unique ideas. One of the customer complaints that we heard most often about 
the previous screen reader was that it was really hard to navigate by anything other than just sort of swiping through the screen. People wanted to be able to navigate by word and character without going through the menus. People found the circle menus to be really difficult. So we tried as, as much as we could to get rid of the circle menus, to get rid of the complex gestures, and to make navigation easier. So the way that you navigate is by first deciding how you want to navigate and then by swiping up and down to navigate by that amount. So we have several options for navigation um, and I cycle through them by swiping down and then up in one motion to go one direction through the, the options or I can swipe up and then down in one motion to go backwards. So for example, if I swipe down and then up. Word, window, character. Word. And if I go backwards, up and down. Character. So now I'm moving by character, and if I swipe up and down, it will move, uh, voice view will move through by character through all the items on the screen. And that's the other distinction. Um, people found it confusing to be restricted to whatever the current control was. So we allow navigation and voice view to move through the whole screen. So, for example, if I touch one of the items on my Wash post, new item, app store, row one, column three. So now I'm in my app grid and it said app store. I can move through this item by character by swiping down. A, P, P, S, T, O, R, E, V, And now, And now it has, you heard the little tick, which said that we now moved to the next control. And again, if I go previous, E, now I'm on the last, now I'm on the last, uh, character of the, of the previous item. And we, of course, get phonetics as well. So to disambiguate E from T from P from G. The other unique thing that we did, and we're just starting to scratch the surface of how to use this, is a brand new gesture that we call the jog wheel. And this is um, unique in that you can do it with one hand. And it gives you a quick way to scroll through content. And so swiping up up, 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 up to move by character or down, 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 down to move by character can be kind of tedious and pretty slow. So if I want to scroll quickly by whatever amount I've selected characters, words on the web, it also includes headers, that sort of thing. I can use this jog wheel gesture. It takes a little bit of uh, practice to get used to it, but once you get used to it, it's pretty powerful. And the way that you do it is you tap, release, and then put your finger down and start drawing a circle. And as you draw the circle, the wheel spins and you advance through content. So I'll put this close to my microphone and maybe you'll, maybe you'll be able to hear what I'm doing. So I tap, release, and then quickly put my finger down and start drawing a circle. So And I still have my finger held down on the screen if I start drawing backwards. I can move, I can move um, backwards through content. And again, that, that's either by word or character or um, whatever the, the granularity, whatever the navigation type that I have selected is. And those are really some of the unique things. As Peter said, there were several others. You know, the, what we're going to show you in, in a little bit is really um, kind of the fruition of a lot of hard work from our team in sort of you know, inventing a screen reader from scratch that we knew that we could bring to lots of different types of devices. So, pretty exciting stuff. Yes, indeed. Thanks.
We were able to hear the uh, finger placed on the uh, as the jog wheel spun as well, so that's great. Cool. Thanks, Mark. That was great. So just to reiterate some of the, the key points, you know, the design center for voice view first on tablets and then across all of our devices is that it should be simple, easy to learn and use, but also with a focus on efficiency and low latency. A device that you can pick up and learn quickly, but then doesn't slow you down as you get more advanced. With simplified gestures, um, new and clearer ear cons. We didn't go into it on this device. I'll do so when we get to the e-reader. We've got a very broad uh, speech rate from 0.66 times normal speech to four times normal speech in 10 different increments. And then a tutorial that goes over how to use the product in multiple different chapters. And this can be revisited at any time. When uh, we showed this first, we debuted all of our new tablets. The 4999 base fire tablet all the way up through our $229 HD10 at the California Council for the Blind convention last year. And Luis Herrera was our warm host and gracious host for that. And after the, the show, uh, he started using it for a while. And he sent me this email that he's given me permission to excerpt from. He said that Amazon's accessible 49.99 Fire 7 tablet is a terrific choice for the many blind and low vision individuals who are on a fixed income and for whom previously buying an accessible tablet was out of the question due to cost. And this is not a compromise device. In the few months I've had mine, it's the one device I find myself using more and more because of its size, portability, and functionality. And that really goes to the heart of Amazon's philosophy about devices in general, which is to provide premium products at non-premium prices. And it's really um, incredibly gratifying to me to be able to be part of a company that can bring really high quality products for, to folks who are blind and low vision at very affordable prices. Never had a, a tablet at all. Um, I'm curious the differences between the $49 and did you say the $249 uh, device? What can I expect as the price increases? So we have four devices that we're selling currently. The base fire tablet at $49.99 comes with a, a smaller resolution display. It has a monaural speaker, a headphone jack, SD card slot. Uh, 1.3 gigahertz processor. The HD6 and the other two models, the HD8 and HD10, have a much higher resolution display, 1280 pixels across. They come with stereo speakers and Dolby. They come with a, a high-definition camera, whereas the base model has uh, just a VGA front-facing camera and a 2-megapixel rear-facing camera. The HD models have 5-megapixel cameras. The um, HD models are also available at a 1.5 gigahertz quad-core processor versus the 1.3 
in the base tablet. Um, they also have um, higher quality materials. You can sort of feel that they're lighter, even though they're bigger. Then finally, the HD models all come with a, a keyboard that supports dictation. So you can, as, you, as you're familiar with on other devices, you can find and tap the microphone icon on the keyboard and then dictate what you want to type. Dictation is not supported on the $49 model. Those are the, the core differences. The low-end and the high-end devices, they both support stereo in the headphone jack, is that correct? Yes. Okay. They all will play movies, audio books, other videos, Kindle books. It's just some of the hardware that has, uh, has differences. Dictation on, on devices. So um, I can only imagine that would be so cool to dictate into the uh, devices. Would you by any chance have a demonstration of dictation or do you not have a device that's large enough to support dictation with you? Unfortunately, I don't have it right to hand, but um, we can certainly come back and give you uh, that demo at another time. So the next thing we'd like to talk about is voice view on our Kindle e-readers. So when we introduced the first Kindle just about nine years ago and uh, started popularizing electronic books, there was quite a lot of interest in uh, the potential for electronic books opening up a much wider accessible library. And that uh, accessible Kindle library of, of millions of books has been available first on iOS with uh, Kindle for iOS and VoiceOver starting around the middle of 2013. Then it came to our Fire tablets and Android tablets. Um, but there's been still interest in seeing this come to the iconic e-reader. And I'm delighted to share with ACB Radio and Main Menu that earlier this month, we released VoiceView for Kindle e-readers. It's written from scratch. It uses a new, also written from scratch, rich Kindle accessibility API. Like VoiceView on tablets, it shares the same design center of simple, efficient, uh, low latency. Uh, same basic gestures as VoiceView on our Fire tablets. The same broad speech rate, and I'll demonstrate that in a few moments. The same great text-to-speech. A couple of years ago, we bought Ivona, and that is now the engine powering speech on all of our devices. Again, a tutorial that has multiple chapters and which can be revisited at any time. And all of this is enabled on the existing Kindle Paperwhite, uh, which we offer in a special blind and low vision reader bundle via the Kindle audio adapter, which is a, it's a little smaller than the Fire TV stick. It has a headphone jack on one end and a micro USB port on the other. And how it works is you take your Kindle Paperwhite, you turn it on, you take your Kindle audio adapter, one side of the micro USB port housing has a little dimple in it, a little tactile divot, so you know which end is up. So you orient it with the divot 
in your thumb, you plug it into your paperwhite. Voice view enabled, home, home, button, double tap to select. And immediately voice view starts. That's all you have to do to turn it on. Well, how, how much is the, uh, the adapter, Peter? So the adapter is $19.99, but we don't believe that accessibility should cost extra. So we offer the adapter in a bundle with the Kindle Paperwhite for $119 for the Paperwhite, $19.99 for the adapter, plus a $19.99 credit for your next purchase. So the essential net cost is zero for the adapter. Nice. I knew I was, that, by the way. I, I was just yeah. leading in. I'm really happy to hear that. That's really cool. Thanks very much, Randy. We are finding that libraries and schools are buying the adapter standalone to uh, use with existing devices or to share among uh, a larger pool of devices. Mm -hmm. So now that I've plugged in the adapter and voice view has automatically started up and I'm on the home screen and it highlights the top left item of my home screen which is the home button on the, the chrome bar here at the top of the screen and I'm just going to swipe right back button double quick actions button double tap to select and swipe through it and you'll notice that not only is it reading the item to me and playing the same earcon that you heard uh, with voice view on the fire tablet, but it's also giving me hint text with the um, written from scratch accessibility API for the Kindle e-reader. We introduced the ability to annotate user interface elements with help text or hint text. And that's what you're hearing when it says double tap to select. So I'm going to swipe a, a few more times here. Goodreads, store, button, search, button, double tap to select. And the final item on the Chrome bar is the menu. Menu, button, double tap to select. And I'm going to double tap it. Menu, my library, button, item one of nine, double tap to select. And now instead of just swiping to go through the user interface, I'm going to use touch exploration. And I'm going to put my finger down somewhere in the neighborhood of where I think the menu is and just move up and down to explore the menu. Kindle free time, button, item five of nine, Goodreads. My reading, my library, button, item one of nine. Settings, button, item eight of nine, double tap to select. So let's take a look at settings. Settings, home, button, double tap to select. And you heard a new earcon. This earcon isn't on voice view for tablets, the doot-doot-doot-doot-doot-doot, which is telling you that an operation that may take a fair amount of time is happening, and the device won't register any touches during that long, potentially long duration, like when you're opening a book. So let's check out the core settings of the Kindle e-reader. I'm just going to move my finger down the screen from the top. Settings, airplane mode, off, turn on airplane mode to disable wireless connectivity, double tap to toggle, Wi-Fi networks, join a Wi-Fi network for faster downloads, 
Available Wi-Fi networks 7 connected to mobile. Double tap to open. Registration and household. Deregister your device or create and manage household and family library. Registered user Kakthi Oro. Double tap to open. Device options. Manage your Kindle passcode, parental controls, language, dictionaries, and personalize your Kindle. Double tap to open. And then finally. Reading options. Manage language learning features, page refresh, social networks, and popular highlights. Double tap to open. So let's take a look at device options. Device options. Home button. Double tap to select. Device passcode. Set a passcode to protect the content on your Kindle. Not enabled. Unavailable. That's the first of my options. Parental controls. Set up Kindle free time and restrict access to experimental web browser, Kindle store, cloud, and Goodreads on Kindle. Unavailable. There are a couple of aspects of uh, the Kindle experience that are not yet accessible in this first release. That's what the word unavailable means in this context. Okay. Personalize your Kindle. Manage your device name, personal info, device time, content recommendations, whisper sync for books, and view your sent to Kindle email address. Double tap to open. And then finally, language and dictionaries. Manage your Kindle language, keyboards, and dictionaries. Double tap to open. So let's look at personalize your Kindle. Personalize your Kindle. Home button. Double tap to select. And I'm not going to go through all of the personalization options, but at the, the bottom of the screen, the final option when voice view is running is the voice view settings. Voice view. Manage voice guidance settings, including turning voice view on and off, reading speed, and volume. Double tap to open. Voice view on. Provide spoken feedback when you touch items on the screen. Double tap to toggle. And then... Tutorial. This tutorial teaches gestures needed to navigate your Kindle when voice view is enabled. Double tap to open. Let's take a look at the tutorial. Home button. Double tap to select. The voice view for Kindle tutorial has three chapters. The first is... Basic gestures. Explore the basic gestures used when navigating your Kindle. Double tap to open. The second chapter. Text entry. Learn how to operate the keyboard when using the voice view. Double tap to open. And finally. General information. This section contains general information about your Kindle to help you get started. Double tap to open. On the top of, the, um, of all of these screens, I have first home. Home button. And then double tap to select back button. Double tap to select. So I'm going to go back one. And let's take a look at the reading speeds. Reading speed. Home button. Double tap to select. So I can go from 0.66x slowest radio button not selected. All double the way down. tap to select 0.23x 4x fastest. Radio button, not selected. Double tap to select. Randy, what speed would you like to hear? Oh, let's put it up to, let's say, oh, I don't know, 80% usually. I read about 80%, I think. 
Eighty percent of uh, of normal speed. Fastest. Yeah. Eighty percent of normal. So a little slower. Zero dot eight at zero dot eight x. Okay. Button settings. Home button. Double tap to select. So that's about eighty percent of normal. Eighty percent of normal. Reading speed. Let's hear top speed. Let's let's crank it up. View current. All right. Let's crank it up. Double four x fastest. 4x, okay, button. How's that? I had to, I, I had to ask, didn't I? <laughs> I would have too. Let's slow it down a little bit here. Settings, home, button, double tap to select. So this is 1.25x okay. or 125%. That's and then we have uh, eight volume settings. Now, may I ask a question? Absolutely. Uh, you uh, mentioned it's Wi-Fi enabled, and I'm also thinking that the device is carrier enabled. What what carriers are available for these devices? So we um, have uh, two variants of most of our devices. One is Wi-Fi only. The second. Uh, also supports WAN, 3G WAN, but the 3G is uh, supported entirely by Amazon. You don't have to pay anything for Kindle e-readers on 3G. Um, the only thing you can really do with 3G is download books. So we cover that as part of the slight premium in purchase price of the 3G device. Nice. So that means that whether or not you're in a place with Wi-Fi, if there's a book you want, you can find it in the store, download it, and start reading it. should be in about 60 seconds. Now, I'm assuming that there are no more copyright laws now, or were you guys able to get around that? So you can read basically any kind of book you want now? So what we have with VoiceView is a screen reader interface. This is not generalized book reading through a mainstream user interface. Mm -hmm. you, you know, all of the gestures are completely different when you're running VoiceView. Right. It's not something that most users would be comfortable with. And therefore, we decided that you bought the book, you're blind, this is how you're going to read it with speech. So you should be able to read it. And so nearly all of the books that we have are compatible with VoiceView. There are some titles that are PDF titles or uh, our very oldest legacy format, mm -hmm. uh, of which there's very few books still only in that format. We will read. Cool. Now, um, some of the um, features were not enabled. Now, as they become available, are they caught through updates to the device? Uh, I'm assuming yes, they are. And it doesn't require the adapter to plug in to update the adapter at all? Or do you have to update both devices? So the, the adapter is a fairly simple device. It has a digital to analog converter, some USB circuitry, a power amplifier to power headphones, and a headphone jack. That's all the adapter is. Okay. So there's no nothing, no firmware in the adapter to update. It's all built into the Kindle e-reader, the text-to-speech, the screen reader, the accessibility API. 
is all part of uh, the most recent release of the uh, e-reader operating system that went out at the start of this month. Now, for the listening audience who don't know the difference between an e-reader and a tablet, what are the uh, major differences between them? The purpose of an e-reader is the e-ink display, which is a very special kind of display technology. If you're familiar with tablets, uh, phones, they all have some sort of liquid crystal display. And while there's some variance in liquid crystal, the in-plane switching is the nicest kind of liquid crystal display. All of our Fire tablets have in-place switching LCD displays. And these displays are backlit. There is some light source behind the display that shines through the translucent display and uh, little pixels in red, green, and blue then cut out other parts of the light. So the red filter cuts out anything that isn't red, the green, anything that isn't green, and so on. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get the color on an LCD display. And an LCD display needs power continuously as long as it's displaying any information. So you have the backlight power and you have the power to constantly send current to maintain each pixel location. And so LCD devices need more power and a bigger battery. Ink devices, in contrast, are made up of almost this collection of cells. It looks a lot like your skin under a microscope. It's a flat surface of these cells and each cell is filled with a small collection of black pigment and another small collection of white pigment. And by sending an electromagnetic charge in a, in a ray underneath the cell structure, it will either attract the black pigment and repel the white, in which case you get a, a white or really very light gray uh, pixel at that location, or it attracts the white and repels the black, in which case you get a black pixel at that location. And it can also uh, partially attract, partially repel, giving you multiple levels of gray. So an e-ink display is a grayscale display, no color. And the incredible thing about e-ink displays is once you have either attracted or repelled the pigment in a given location within a cell, the pigment stays there. The, the cell that it's in is very thick, glutinous stuff, and the pigment doesn't move around after it has been put into place. And what that means then is the display takes no power except when it's being updated. And since e-ink devices are primarily about reading books and you typically fill a screen with a page of a book and then don't do anything to that screen until you've finished reading the page and go to the next page, for the entire duration that you're reading that page, almost no power is consumed. And so Kindle e-readers can be much thinner and much lighter and last much longer on a charge than a tablet. 
And that's the main benefit of an e-reader to customers broadly. The other attraction is the e-ink display looks a lot like paper. And so it doesn't have the glare of a typical LCD screen with the glass covering. So it's very comfortable for people to read outside in bright sunlight. And with the paper white and on more expensive models of um, Kindle e-readers, we also have a special side light. It's not a backlight. The light isn't shining through the screen directly at your eyes, but rather it comes along the side of the, the substrate above the e-ink and then is vectored down onto the display where it then reflects up at you, which is much more comfortable for uh, people to read and not have their eyes get uh, as tired as quickly as they do with LCD. Now, um, I would assume that if you're a totally blind user, there would not be any need to buy a um, device such as an e-reader, rather the, to use the tablets. Would that be correct in assuming that? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't want to make an assumption about right. Right. what a customer might or might not want to do. Mm -hmm. We make a lot of devices. They should all be accessible. Right. Oh, I agree with you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that said... The benefits, the primary benefits of the e-reader are largely lost on someone who's completely blind. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. very long battery life of an e-ink display doesn't carry forward with VoiceView because we can't put the processor to sleep when the uh, screen reader and text-to-speech are running. So while the page is being read, we are running the processor at full throttle. So we get a little over six hours of continuous reading mm -hmm. uh, of a book with voice view, which is just a little less than the seven to eight hours you would expect with our Fire tablets. Okay. Now the device is a little... Saver. The screensaver just kicked in. The device is a little lighter the device is a little slimmer, so that might be an attraction. But I think the main attraction would be for folks who have some vision mm -hmm. and want to crank up the font size and use a combination of speech and their eyes, as well as for folks who are in a school or in a library where these are the devices that are available mm -hmm. and you'd like to use what's available. Now, in your opinion, when I shop for one of these devices and I happen to be uh, going to uh, like a home shopping network like QVC or HSN or something, how do I know when I get the latest devices? With our Fire tablets, any of the currently selling devices will come with VoiceView. That's the Fire, the base Fire tablet, the Fire HD 6 the Fire HD 8, and the Fire HD 10. We also uh, made this available in an over-the-air update to the previous generation devices, and that includes the HDX models, the HDX 8.9, and I believe there was an HDX uh, 6. 
So, so anything with the eight, with the X in it are earlier models. Is that correct? That's correct. Now there were several years of HDX. We only brought this back to the HDX that was introduced in 2014, mm-hmm. not the 2013 model, which had a slightly different chipset. Yeah, and the only reason I mention this is because I, I hope I'm wrong, but I can anticipate, and I've seen this with certain devices that begin with eyes. <laughs> they have really a lot of earlier uh, models of iPads and iPods, things that they they want to get rid of out of their stock. So, you know, I've seen iPad 2s and, you know, really early models. So that's why I was wondering if you have to be really careful. So as long as it does not have the X in it, you can be safe, or one can be safe in assuming that uh, you you have the latest and greatest devices, or they do, I should say. Yeah, that's a good bet. Okay. And then for the Kindle e-readers... This is um, available today as part of the bundle with the Kindle Paperwhite, and that's the way to buy it from Amazon.com. Okay. Those, those devices have the voice files on them and the latest version of the operating system, so you can just take it out of the box, put your headphones or speakers into the Kindle audio adapter, the audio adapter into your e-reader, and away you go. Now, are these devices Bluetooth? Uh, these devices are not Bluetooth. They're not, okay. The, the e-readers are not Bluetooth. Okay. The, the Fire tablets, um, all of them support Bluetooth. Oh, thank you. So maybe we should read a book. So I'm still here in the Personalize <laughs> My Kindle Settings panel, but uh, Home is selected. Back, button, home, button, double, home, home, button, double tap to select. And earlier in the program, I had gotten all the way across to the menu. Menu, button, double tap to select. If I swipe right, I'm going to come down to the next row on the screen. My library, button, double tap to view entire library. And you'll notice again, the hint text was a little different. It's not just double tap to select, but to view my library. And the next thing that we're going to get to is a collection of recently viewed books. And you'll notice what happens the first time I go into this collection. Library Recents, Dragon Age, The Masked Empire, Patrick Weeks, On Your Device, Reading Progress 1%, Item 1 of 3, Double Tap to Open, Double Tap and Hold for More Options. The first thing it said was Library Recents. If I swipe right to the second book in this collection. Mockingjay, Hunger Games Trilogy, Book 3, Suzanne Collins. On your device, reading progress 72%, item 2 of 3, double tap to open, double tap and hold for more options. Here it doesn't tell me library recents because I'm still in that same group. If I swipe forward out of this group, I will get into the collection of items that are in my reading list. The importance of being earned, my reading lists, button, double tap to view entire reading list, reading list recents, Treasure Island. Color Illustrated, formatted for e-readers, unabridged version, Robert Louis Stevenson and HMDS Printing Press, sample, on your cloud, item one of three, double tap to download the item, double tap and hold for more options. And so this is part of the Kindle accessibility API that we've created, this notion of collections that have names and we read them to you the first time you get into a collection. So I'm going to touch the screen uh, in the library recents section 
And let's open one of the books. Dragon Age, The Masked Empire. Double tap for menu. Quickly swipe down with two fingers held close together for continuous reading. Double tap and hold to select text. One Empress Jeline strode into the University of Orleans's great chantry courtyard surrounded by her entourage of servants and guards and flanked by Sir Michel, her champion. The entire faculty had been assembled to greet her, and the professors bowed at her approach. In the wan morning light, the marble walls glittered like fresh fallen snow. The stone tiles of the courtyard had been set with a mosaic of Andrast, proud and defy. And in her mother of pearl armor with carnelian flames behind. So, what we were hearing was it automatically started reading the book at the place I had left off, which was the beginning of chapter one. When it got to the bottom of the page, you heard the earcon doo-doo, letting me know that it had turned the page, and then it continued reading on the following page. And while it isn't clear from speech, this page and the previous page are filled with hyphenated words. And it's only when we went from defy and the hyphenation across the page boundary that we heard any glitch with the um, hyphenation. Otherwise, hyphenated words are automatically stitched together when they're on the same page crossing line boundaries. I can then put my finger down uh, on the book and whatever word is under my finger is spoken. Mosaic, eyes, courtyard, name, double tap and hold for more options. And if I want to um, get a definition of one of these words. Mosaic, behind, double tap and hold for more options. I'm going to double tap and hold. Dialog box, highlight, button, unavailable. And uh, toward the... Uh, now I have some options with this word, including... Card, dictionary, one of three. Card selection, drop down, dictionary selected, double tapped, behind prep. One adder to the far side of something, typically so as to be hidden by it. The recording machinery was kept behind screens. The sun came out from behind a cloud. Underlying, something, but not apparent too. And now I've got a definition of the word that I was reading. So in a nutshell... That is voice view for Kindle and the Kindle audio adapter. How great. This um, makes my day. I mean, I think it's just fantastic stuff. Thanks for thanks demonstrating. Hmm? Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, wow. Now we bring you Janine Stanley and Stephen Goldstein. We are, again, here at the Spring Technology Fair at the Cleveland Site Center, and today I am talking with Stephen Goldstein from ORCAM. Hi, Steve. Hi, how are you? Good, good. And you have had a lot of interest in ORCAM, and we've been hearing about it for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about what ORCAM is and what it does? Sure. So um, ORCAM is a... Uh, it's a technology for the folks who are visually impaired and blind. And what it consists of is a head unit, which is a tiny little camera that essentially, whatever it sees, uh, visual information, it translates it into audio information. And that is that the tiny little camera is actually connected to a speaker that sits right in front of your ear. And this little device, which you know weighs about a feather, can be clamped onto anybody's glasses on the right side of your glasses. And, and that in turn is connected to our 
computer in our base, which is our base unit. It's also a battery, and that is where the brains of the operation is. But it's it's done instantly, you know, so it's not going to the cloud or anything. Ah, great! And it is very light. I can tell you, folks, it's very light, very comfortable to have on with the glasses. Now you can mount that on anyone's glasses, right? If they purchase so, the unit. So just about anyone's, except those folks who have very thin wire frames, because we put a little mount on, and the mount has to have enough meat to grab onto on the right side of the glasses or the right temple. Mm -hmm. And it's also worth understanding that um, the visual information that it translates uh, into audio is re with respect to text, learned faces, learned products, and uh, paper currency, money. Let's, let's get right into it and let's actually see how this works. Now, I'll describe the uh, actual case and the brains of this particular device. It's probably about twice as thick. If you have an iPhone 6 or 6S, it's about twice as thick as that and maybe about the same length. So, and you're going to see how fast this thing goes. I was shocked at how fast this goes. So, so if I have the OrCam on and uh, right now I turn it on. I've actually connected it to an external speaker so that uh, you can hear what's playing privately in my ear. And I'm going to just hold a uh, our training manual and the back page of our training manual is meant as a, a practice page for any new user. And I can push our trigger button so the camera takes a picture. Welcome to OrCam. We are pleased to present you with your new OrCam device. OrCam is very intuitive. All you have to do is point. See for yourself. So that was done with the trigger button, and then I can use my finger, and if I just point at text... Individual attention. Complimentary one-on-one -on -one training session. Each OrCam device is hand-delivered by a certified OrCam trainer who will teach you how to use your new device. It arrives at your doorstep complete with... So I'm stopping it, but it, it read the back of our brochure. That was the back of our brochure. So if you're looking at something like a restaurant menu and you have enough vision to sort of see the outline but not read the print, you can easily point at things on that outline, right? I mean, you, you can certainly do that. I mean... You, if you know you have a menu in your hand and you had no vision, you can still point at it. We'll, we'll often teach an orientation step of touching the document to your nose and backing it away like about 10 inches or maybe a third the length of your arm so your arm is still bent. And that way you know that the document's at least in front of your, your face and in front of your camera. Right, and I played with this a little bit earlier, and it was pretty easy to get the orientation of it. I kept, I kept thinking it was above my right eye, and it's actually at your nose. So, um, doing that, you know, getting the document up to your nose and backing off really worked. Um, now, let's let's see it actually identify money because this is really cool. So yeah, um, one of the while we can teach it uh, products, uh, we have a a learning ability to teach it products. The software already has built in a one series of products, which is currency, and if I were to point at this. $20. So wow. it recognizes that it happened to be upside down um, and forwards, but. So it doesn't it, even matter what side, what orientation. When it learns a product, it doesn't matter which direction it is, but the text, you know, if I were to hold text that were upside down in front of it, it'll generally it'll tell you that it's upside down. Let me try that and okay. see if it does that for us. Sure. The 
text seems upside down. To read it, rotate the page and try again, skipping to next. If, if you were to hold it sideways, it doesn't tell you that. It reads gibberish, unfortunately. But the gibberish is then your signal to recognize that you've got it oriented the wrong way. If it's right side up or upside down, it'll let you know. Sideways, it won't. It'll read gibberish. So. Now for the fun feature. This one really, this blew me away, I have to say. The facial recognition feature. So if I look at you now and take a picture, I think I put you in memory earlier. Yep. So let's just see if it still works. So unfortunately, I re it re gives me an opportunity to record once it once I put you into memory and it, it, uh, the facial recognition software works. It gives me an opportunity to make a recording, and it was very very noisy at that point. Yeah. But I said your name, and so so the memory the memory is associated with the voice recording. So this little head unit that I said weighs a feather not only has a camera and a speaker, but it's also got a microphone in it. Wow, that and. It was quick, it was very easy to do, so if you've got co-workers, if you've got friends, if you have people that you associate with a lot and you put them in here, you're going to be able to recognize them if they're in a room with you and you point the camera at them, right? So yeah, they've got to be within a reasonable distance. You know, we yeah. wish you could do it across the room, but oh, across yes, the room... Yeah, that would be very hard. So across the room, no longer is it the facial recognition software able to identify them as two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Right. Just like with you, even though it's recognize you if you were to turn sideways and all I see is your profile it also won't recognize ah, you. Yeah. Okay, so, so it's got to be face to face. Yeah. Directly on give or take you know uh, um, 20 degrees one way or the other right. you know but uh, a full profile you're no longer a face in the eyes of this facial recognition software at today. Gotcha. Yeah. Today but boy that's got to be um got to be improving steadily as we go. So what is the battery life on this like? So the battery will run four hours, which is uh, mm -hmm. continuous use, which is about a day of intermittent. Yeah. But you can also plug it in and use it. And I always recommend buying one of those, you know, if you're a really robust user, I buy one of those portable batteries from Walmart or wherever. So that, that always is a good backup. Now we get to the big one. How about cost? So there are two products. We have one that we call Orcam My Reader. It reads, doesn't have the product facial or currency recognition. That's twenty five hundred. And we have the full feature product we call Orcam My Eye, and that's thirty five hundred. In both cases, we have an installment plan or a lease to own plan, which will allow a more, you know, a spread out payment period, depending on you know what your position is on that. So. Those are the two two products. Wow. And yeah. final question for you. Uh, let's say I had this and I was out and about and I was looking at a sign on a building. Could yes. it read that? Absolutely. As Ooh. long as it's text. Wow. Um, it'll okay. read it and it doesn't know distance. I mean, mm -hmm. even if you're like uh, across the block and down the road, if, wow. this, if it sees the sign as like eight font or ten mm -hmm. font, it sure. reads it. Wow. So it's not a problem. Yeah, no, it's, it's really, it it's a, yeah, everyone asks, what's the distance? It's not the distance, it's the size. And if the text is too small, it will tell you it's too small. Then if people would like to get in touch with you, how can they do that? Our direct number in the United States is 1-800-713-3741. And the website is orcam.com, I believe. Exactly. And th that is a great site. It's got a lot of information on it. Macademia. Jason here in our fourth episode in the Macademia series. 
It's been a little while. In this episode, I want to provide some tips and tricks regarding Safari to help make your web browsing experience that much easier. It's not that it's so awful, but there are things I've learned over the years that when assisting other people would end up helping them, and I thought I'd try to compile them here. One of the first things that comes to mind as a voiceover user is that there is a preference in Safari that makes the tab key behave differently depending on how it is set. And I think by default it is turned off. And I think that as a voiceover user, you might want this on so that you get the more expected behavior with the tab key. And I just want to show you what that is. I have Safari already open, so I'm going to command tab to Safari. Voiceover finder, Safari. Safari. And I'm going to go to the preferences with a command comma. Preferences, general button. And I want to go to advanced. Advanced, selected button. Oh, it's already selected. That's great. So I'm going to stop interacting with the toolbar. Stop interacting with toolbar. And I'm going to VO to the right. Smart search field. Show full website address. Check checkbox. Okay, that's one option that I have checked, but I realize that's more of a personal preference. I like to see the full address, including the HTTP or HTTPS, whereas maybe I think the default preference is this option is not checked. So it just shows generally www.amazon.com, for example. Um, it won't show HTTP colon slash slash www.amazon.com slash blah, 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 blah. Regardless of how this is set, when you copy the address from the address bar, it will copy the entire address. So this is just a personal preference. But the setting I really want to get to is... Accessibility. Never use font sizes smaller than... Unchecked checkbox. Okay, that's... Nine. Not Never it. use font sizes. Although this could be helpful. Press tab to highlight each item on a web page. Checked checkbox. That is it. Press tab to highlight each item on a page. When it's checked, the tab key behaves as you would expect. Um, you can tab to each link and it will include form fields and other items. When this item is not checked, tab key will only go to other types of items like form fields and buttons and you have to hold option with tab to get to links. And I have found this very helpful for me because I want to be able to just tab, 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 tab through the page sometimes. And on other computers where this is not set, I have to remember to hold the option key down. In these advanced preferences, there's also another item that you may find interesting. It doesn't automatically make surfing the web better, but it can be interesting if you're running into some problems. Show develop menu and menu bar. Check checkbox. I have it checked. The develop menu gives you some advanced options, and I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, but if you are someone who likes to tweak things a little bit just to see if you can make it a little better for yourself, I would consider enabling it. In this menu, there are all sorts of things you can disable or enable, and if I'm having a lot of trouble with a web page, I will start systematically uh, disabling JavaScript or loading of styles or images. And sure enough, that usually makes loading the web page much better and I can navigate much easier. Just remember when you start changing options, you want to set them back when you're finished with that page. I'm always very careful to do that because I don't want to leave something disabled and then have problems later. That is pretty much it for the preferences. Sometimes if I'm having trouble with a web page, where I'm navigating and then suddenly the focus jumps to another place. 
I turn off cursor tracking, and that will help. And you can do that with VO Shift F3. And it's a toggle, so you can turn it on and off easily. If that doesn't help, in VoiceOver Utility, and that is VO F8 with VoiceOver running, in the Web category, you will find an option that enables or disables live regions, and that is in the Navigation tab of that category. Sometimes I will turn live regions off so I can minimize extra chatter while I'm trying to navigate the page. If you're like me and you load lots of tabs in the background, for example, I will be on Twitter and just going through all sorts of tweets and opening different links in the background, you end up with a lot of tabs open. It used to be that in Safari you could use Command 1 through Command 9 to quickly jump to any of your favorites, the first nine in the favorites bar at any rate. And now you can still do that, but there's a setting in Safari Preferences that determines whether the command 1 through 9 act upon opening favorites or opening tabs. If you have the desire to do so, you can change that setting so that command 1 through command 9 will put focus on the corresponding tab. You'll find that in the Tabs tab of Safari Preferences. Furthermore, I've learned some things I can do to open links in the background right on a page. So, for example, say I'm reading an article and there are all sorts of links to other articles. I might want to open them, but I don't want to bring focus to that page right away. I want to continue reading the article and then get to those other pages later. If you focus on the link and hit Command-Enter, it will open the link in a new tab in the background. If you press Command-Shift-Enter, it will open the link in a new tab and bring focus to that tab. And sometimes that's helpful if you know it's a quick passage you want to get through and then return to the article so you can close the tab with Command-W and get back to the article. I realize not everyone uses tabs in that way, or maybe even uses tabs at all. But uh, I thought I'd mention it because it is so easy once you get the hang of tabs to just have a bunch of things open and get to them as you're able. Yes, Safari has reading list, which is also helpful. <laughs> but there are so many ways to do things, aren't there? Another thing I want to mention in the tabs preferences is you could tell Safari that when you click links that are supposed to open in new windows, instead of doing that, it'll ignore that and open in a new tab. I don't like having a new window open. I find it nice to just have it open in a new tab. I'm not being distracted by a new window opening, and I can get right to the information and close the tab when I'm done. I will probably be back with more Safari tips and ideas once I solicit feedback from others. If anyone wishes to give me any ideas to cover on Macademia, feel free to email mainmenu at acbradio.org. Macademia! Alrighty then, I've already thought of something I wish I had included in the Macademia update I just did, but it'll have to wait until next time. At any rate, we are excited next week we will be presenting an interview with the developers of Vorail, that's V-O-R-A-I-L, a new iOS app that has a very interesting twist on social networking. Main Menu is a program sponsored by ACB Radio and the American Council of the Blind. It airs on ACB Radio Mainstream every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. and repeating every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. 
You can listen to it on any internet-capable device by going to acbradio.org mainstream. Use the iOS ACB Link app, grab it as a podcast, or pick up a phone and dial 605-475-8130 at airtime. There are a couple of ways you can interact with us. You can find us on Twitter at MainMenu, or you can send us email, mainmenu at acbradio.org. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.